0: Well, welcome everybody to Downtown Harbor Church. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. If it's your first time here, appreciate you coming to check us out. Today, we are kicking off our Christmas series. We're gonna be calling it Do Not Be Afraid. And for the next three weeks, we're gonna be looking at three different stories that surround the birth of Jesus. And what we're gonna see in each of these stories is that an angel appears, whether it's to Mary or Joseph or the shepherds, And this angel always says, without fail, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid, fear not, and each week we're gonna dive into why these folks were afraid, why they didn't need to be afraid, and ultimately why we do not need to be afraid either. So to kick off, what I wanna do is I wanna talk about a fear that I think we all have at some level, but we don't like to acknowledge it. We don't talk about it publicly, We really don't even want to think about it too much because if you're a Christian, it kind of makes you feel like a bad Christian because you're having this fear, and yet we can't seem to help it, and that is our fear of God's plans. like In other words, the fear of what God might possibly, potentially have planned for us in our future, in our lives. So last week, if you were here, we talked about how Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship, right? It's not a religion, it's a relationship. And that when you say yes to Jesus, what you're doing is you're entering into a personal relationship with Jesus and God the Father. However, when it comes to that relationship with God the Father, I think a lot of times we treat God like that annoying person in our lives who always wants something. For example, do you have a person in your life where when your phone rings, and you see their name on the screen, you kind of audibly cry out like, ugh, right? Like, and it's not that you don't like them, you like this person, all right? But you just know they're gonna want something from you. Or maybe, you know, you're like me, and you're in publics and you see somebody you know, and rather than going talking to them like a normal person in society, you kind of hide down a different aisle. And I think sometimes that's how we unknowingly treat God. Like, we wanna be close enough for like the good stuff, We want his blessings, we want him to take care of us and our families and our careers, we want the promise of heaven, etc., etc., but we don't want to be so close that God has total access to our lives. Because, you know, if we completely surrender to God, he might make us do something that we don't want to do. Like, if we completely surrender and submit your will, not my will, he might make us, you know, go to Africa as missionaries, but... Based on the footage I've seen of you, I don't think he would do that to those Africans. Or <laughs> or we think, you know, if I fully submit to God, give him total access, he might make me give up something that I really, really enjoy. Or, or maybe worse, you know, if I really submit to God's plans, he might make me marry somebody ugly. right? Like We don't want to articulate it. But come on, isn't it true? We have this, this sense of fear of, of, what if I give it all to God And life doesn't go the way that I want it to go. The reason I know people are struggling with this is because I've spoken to people and they tell me, hey, I struggle with this. This is fear talking, okay? And fear can absolutely overwhelm us. It can overtake us. Now, I've heard many pastors say this, and maybe you've heard this too. A lot of them say fear is the absence of faith. I don't know if that's exactly fair. Maybe it's right. I don't really know, but... but but. Like, I have faith, and I also have fear. And when my hypochondria kicks in, which you guys know I have, and I worry that I'm going to get some sort of incurably rare disease, one could say, hey, don't you have faith in God? Yeah, but what if God's plan for my life is that I get this incurably rare disease? like that? So I don't know if fear is the absence of faith. But I could argue that fear is definitely misplaced faith. You could say fear is placing your faith in the what-ifs, and I love the what-ifs. Ooh, I love them. It's One of the best things that I do. Like, I can do a few things well in this world, I can get a great tan, and I can worry. Those are my two spiritual gifts. All right? And I think I told you this, but when I told my doctor all of my what-if scenarios, her response was actually, how do you live in your own head? I go, it's not easy, but it's the cross that I bear. And one time I actually sat down and took a good hard look at my worries, these what-if scenarios that I created. And what God allowed me to see is that the reason all of my imagined future scenarios, they were all so scary is because I imagined a future without God. And I bet you do too, but you don't realize it. See, what he showed me is that every time I asked what if, and I kind of scared myself, what I was really asking is, how am I going to handle this? Like, what if I got sick? What if I lost my job or whatever? How am I, in my own strength, going to handle this? And it scared me. And it never dawned on me that in these worries about the future, in these fears about the future, God was never a part of the equation because God is not in our worries. But Scripture says he's always with us. He will always be with us. And even if, God forbid, that worst-case scenario happens, he will be with me and I will have his strength. Scripture tells us, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So with that in mind, today I want to look at why we're so often afraid, if you will, of God's plans. Why we're leery of what God might have for us out in the future. And to do this, I want to take a look at the time an angel appeared to a teenage girl named Mary, and she was afraid. So the first reason I would argue that I think a lot of us are kind of fearful of God's plans or leery of God's plans is that we see God's plans as an inconvenient interruption. Let me show you how this plays out in Mary's life. So her story begins in Luke chapter 1. We'll start in verse 26, and it says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. Okay, so who is this random Elizabeth that just kind of shows up in this story? Elizabeth is Mary's much older aunt, like senior citizen old. And six months earlier, this same angel, Gabriel, went to her and said, hey, I've got good news for you. You're going to give birth. It's going to be a miraculous birth. It's not going to be a virgin birth, but it's going to be a miraculous birth because of how old you are, which means these really old people had to you know, okay, which sounds like more of a Christmas nightmare. But anyway, back to Mary. So Luke tells us that Mary was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. Now, any of you who are married, were married. Any of you who are engaged to be married, you know this is an exciting time. A little stressful, but it's exciting. And all you do is you just kind of dream about your future. Just kind of what you do. This is Mary. She's thinking about that wedding. The dress she wants to wear, the cake, where's the venue gonna be? She's planning the honeymoon. She's looking on Zillow at home she'll never be able to afford. She's, you know, picturing children and white picket fences and a Labrador. And we all did this. Okay. Like our plans all looked different, but we all had plans. And we saw our plans unfolding perfectly. Right? And it made us so happy and so joyful. Mary thought she had her whole life planned out. Little did she know that God was about to interrupt her plans with his plans. So out of nowhere, Gabriel, it says, appears to her and says, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Okay, she's confused. She's disturbed. She's probably panicking. This gigantic angel appears out of nowhere. So it's like, first of all, okay, what's that? What are you talking about? What does this mean? She's afraid. So Gabriel tries to calm her down, and he says, don't be afraid, Mary. There's our series. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Mary, I can see I've startled you, okay, and and I can see that you're trying to figure all of this out, but you don't need to be afraid. My being here is a good thing. I'm here to tell you that God's been watching you, likes what he sees, and he's got a plan for your life. And then Gabriel begins to walk Mary through God's plans for her life. And he says this to her. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. So Mary, who's like 14, by the way, is hearing this, and her eyes are getting huge. Okay, And Gabriel's like, oh, wait, sweetie, there's, there's more. I'm not done. He'll be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay. That's a bit of a curveball for Mary. I mean, 15 minutes earlier, she's dreaming about a wedding cake and, and, and a venue. And now she's being told that, hey, you're going to conceive a son. You're going to name him Jesus. Oh, and by the way, he's going to be the son of the Most High God. God's plans looked nothing like Mary's plans. But chances are, if and when God steps into your life, his plans will look nothing like your plans either. So what do we do? What do we do when God interrupts our plans? When you read scripture, what becomes very clear is that God loves to interrupt plans. It's like his favorite thing to do. But we do not need to fear his plans. We do not need to dread his plans because God's interruptions are generally speaking an invitation to something greater. What we often see and feel as being this inconvenient interruption is actually God inviting us to something bigger, something better, far bigger than we could ever imagine. And scripture bears this out. For example, think about when God interrupted Moses' life with that burning bush and invited him to become the deliverer of God's people. Or what about when God interrupted David's life as a 15-year-old shepherd boy and anointed him and chose him to be the next king of Israel? Or what about when Jesus interrupted the disciples' lives as fishermen, as tax collectors, and invited them to change history? Or what about the time when Jesus interrupted Paul's life on that road to Damascus and put him on a course to become the most influential Christian in all of history? And now we're seeing it with Mary. And I can just tell you from personal experience, this is how God works in my life. There have been at least three distinct moments, and I'm sure there can be more, where I had a plan, good plan, right? Solid plan, I was moving full steam ahead on those plans, and out of nowhere, it was like God pulled a railroad switch and my life went off on a completely different path. His path. And I'm going to bet that some of you have experienced that exact same thing in your life. But I also believe that there are many of us who often shake off God's invitations as just being an inconvenient interruption when in reality God wants to do something different in your life, something brand new. He wants to take you somewhere new. He wants to take you somewhere different. He wants to do something special in your life, something that you could have never planned for and never predicted. See, here's what I know about a lot of our plans. I know that our plans are safe, right? We structure our days, our lives, our careers to keep us safe. Uh, we, we do all we can to avoid our weaknesses. It's why we have that, that saying, play to your own strength, right? It's totally natural. But safe plans keep us in our comfort zone. They don't challenge us at all. And many times our safe plans don't position us to be able to fully use our God-given uh, talents and gifts and, and, and strengths. When I look at all the times that God interrupted my life, every single time, it was because I put myself on a path that wouldn't fully use my God-given gifts. And he stepped in, and he invited me to do something different, something better. Secondly, what I know about our plans is that often they're self-serving. Think for a moment about your life plan, right? We all kind of have one. Just think about it for just a second, right? Isn't it true that your life plan is all about you? And it's, it's I wanna get this job, and then I'm gonna get this promotion. Uh, I wanna get this house, and I wanna get that car, I want to travel to this country. I want to retire at this age. And when I do, I want to have this much in the bank. None of these things is bad. They're all good. However, they're all for our benefit. We've planned out our entire lives with us in mind. And if you're a follower of Jesus, and I know many of you are, I think God wants more for your life. And so sometimes God interrupts your life to give you a new purpose. God loves you so much that he wants to shake you out of the status quo and infuse new meaning and new purpose into every single thing that you do. But here's what else I know. That can be a little scary. That can be a little intimidating because sometimes what he's calling you to do seems like it's out of your league. It just seems, well, it seems impossible. Mary had her whole life planned out and her plans were good, but God had a new purpose for her. And when when Gabriel laid out that new purpose and she heard it, she had one big question. She said, but... How can this happen? I'm a virgin. In other words, mm, this doesn't add up. God, God, your plan doesn't make any sense. What you're asking me to do doesn't seem like something I can do. See, when God starts to move in our lives and he begins to show us his plans for our lives, isn't it true? I mean, don't we say the same thing? It's it's like, you want me to do what? You You want me to move where? You want me to change jobs now? You want me to become a stay-at-home parent? You want me to go back to work? Oh, you want me to go to school? You you, you want me to break up with him? When God calls us to move in in a new and different direction, we try to calculate how it's all going to work, and Mary is no different. How can this happen? So Gabriel tries to explain. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will over." shadow you. This word overshadow can also be translated hovered. It's the exact same word you see in Genesis in the creation story where God's spirit hovered over the waters creating. So God is going to use the same method of creation here so that the baby will be born holy and he'll be called the son of God. So Gabriel's like, hey, listen, you asked how God's plan is going to happen. Well, this is is how it's going to happen. I don't think that cleared up anything for Mary, okay? And and Gabriel sees this, and so he's like, okay, well, let me tell you this too. (laughs) Like, hold on, let me just come at this from a different angle. And I love this. It goes to show you that even if God were to explain everything to you, like he pulled back the curtains on his plan, rolled out the blueprints and said, okay, here's why this is going to happen. Here's when this is going to happen. Here's how this is going to work out. I think those plans still might not add up for us. But Gabriel's going to give it the old college try. He says, let me tell you this too. Your cousin Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son. This is her sixth month for her, right? A woman who people used to say was barren. He's like, Mary, clearly God is up to something in this world. He's doing something. And I understand this doesn't add up to you. To us, Gabriel might say, listen, I understand God is pushing you out of your comfort zone right now. I understand he's calling you to trust him with details that don't really add up and don't really make sense. And I and I get it that you're tempted to think, I can't do this. I wasn't trained for this. I can't handle this. I, I, God, are you sure you got the right person? For example, maybe God is asking you to forgive someone. And you're just thinking, God, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, after what they said and and, and, and they did, this, this just seems impossible. Or maybe God is asking you to be generous, right? And, but you don't really have much right now. And so you're hearing this and you go, God, this doesn't make any sense that you're asking me to do this right now. This, it's impossible. Maybe for you, God is challenging you about your marriage. And you're like, God, I just, I just don't see how you could heal this marriage after what has happened. It's impossible. Or maybe he's calling you to reconcile with a relative. Maybe it's a child, right? And you're just like, like after what they said or you did, this just seems impossible. God, what you're asking of me, this path you're, you're trying to lead me down, it just seems impossible. That's Mary right now. What God is asking of Mary seems impossible. How can this be, she asks. And I love what Gabriel says. He says, with God, you see, Nothing is impossible. For someone here today, this is what you came for right here. This is what you needed to hear. See, when God interrupts our lives and asks us to do the seemingly impossible, to go down a new path, to embrace a new purpose, something outside of your comfort zone, something you never saw coming, something you had never planned for, we don't need to see that as an inconvenience. We don't need to be afraid We don't need to calculate how it's all going to work out. All we got to do is trust God and he'll do the rest. If God is asking you to take a a, a leap of faith, if you will, your responsibility is obedience. God's responsibility is the outcome. We don't need to go down that what if rabbit trail because the outcome, that's his responsibility. All you got to do is say yes. All you got to do is have faith and trust him. And so in this moment, Mary looks up into the eyes of this enormous angel. And she utters one of the most important, faith-filled responses in all of human history. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. God's plan for Mary made no sense at all. In fact, you could argue that God's plan was loaded with potential risks, okay? Saying yes to God's plan might destroy her marriage. I mean, what's Joseph going to say about this crazy story? We'll talk about that next week. Saying yes to God's plan means that people are going to think that she got pregnant out of wedlock, which would make her a pariah in that society, and according to the law of Moses, could get her stoned to death. And saying yes to God's plans definitely means that her plans would have to take a backseat. But in faith, she trusted God with her plans, and her life was changed. And the world was changed, and Christmas came to be. See, when I look at Mary's story, I'm reminded of an incredible verse found in Proverbs chapter 16. People may make plans in their minds, but the Lord decides what they'll do. Folks, we don't have to be afraid of God's plans. Mary wasn't. Because she knew God is good. And she knew God is just. And she knew God is loving. And she knew that his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And his plans are way bigger and far better than ours could ever be. So, what's practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at DHC... Every single week, we put this word on the screen because we want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and know exactly what to do with what you've heard. So God might not interrupt your life in the form of a burning bush as he did with Moses, okay? And he might not send an enormous angel to you like he did to Mary. But every once in a while, he puts a burden on our hearts. And he steps into our lives and he begins to reveal a calling or a challenge, or a new purpose, or a new direction. So my question to you this Christmas season is, what is God asking you to do? If you're a follower of Jesus, and many of you are, I believe with all of my heart that God is actively involved in your life and wants to direct your steps. That's what Scripture says. So what is He calling you to do? For some of you here and watching online, the answer to this question is, is immediate. In fact, you already know what God wants you to do. You know the answer to this question. But come on, let's be honest. You've been resisting it, haven't you? And, and, and maybe it's you're, just, you're just not willing or ready to, to submit to his plans. Maybe you don't understand how it's all going to work out and, you, and you're getting caught up in the, in, the, in the what-ifs. Maybe you're just simply afraid of those plans but God has been knocking on the door to your heart for a while, hasn't he? And he's been trying to get your attention because he wants to do something new in your life to infuse new meaning and new purpose. It's time to answer that call. Now for others of you, you may need to do a little soul searching, okay? To figure out what God wants for your life. And and you may need to pray, Lord, what are you directing me to do in this season of life. And with prayer and searching, you might find that, hey, maybe God is calling you to restore some relationship. Maybe he's challenging you to to, to go back to school. Maybe he wants you to reach out to somebody who is far from Christ. Perhaps he's calling you to get out of debt, seek counseling for for mental health issues. Maybe, Maybe he's challenging you to speak up about an addiction. Whatever the case may be, When you're ready to respond, when you're ready to take that step of faith, just remember the outcome is God's responsibility. Because what he's asking you to do may be seemingly impossible, and the truth is, in your own strength, it is impossible. But as that mighty angel said 2,000 years ago, with God, you see, nothing's impossible. Do not be afraid. You can trust God's plan for your life. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your Son into this world to put on flesh, to love us, to show us how to love, and to show us how to live. God, as Scripture is clear, you have a plan for every single one of us and your plans are good, Lord. But God, so many of us, we may trust you with our souls, but we're just a little reluctant to trust you with our futures. And I pray, Lord, that this season you would challenge us to loosen our grip on our lives and to embrace what you might have for us, God, because your plans are good and they are far bigger and far better than we could ever imagine, Lord. Help us to say yes to you so that our lives may be changed. And in the process, we might be able to change others' lives as well. And we will give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray.